I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. C'est un rêve en moi Si vrai, si fort And it's a very easy one. You may remember a couple of episodes ago, I tried to do the Romanian welcome to this podcast, and I've tried the Italian welcome to this podcast. I briefly contemplated trying to remember the Japanese for the last episode. That's why I stumbled, if you remember that back. And I hadn't made notes and tried to remember from 2019 how to say anything in Japanese. Did not remember. However, it's a very, very easy one to say it in American. It is largely, largely the same. I believe the American for hello and welcome is howdy and welcome. And I'd like to... (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it's howdy switch. and what's up, but yeah, that's close enough. Yeah, is it too early to start taking exception? We don't say howdy up here. No, okay, <laughs> if I got to, I've got that wrong. I you also, yeah. I, I couldn't tell that you had a gun in your hand when you were saying it either. So, <laughs> little, you know, I think it's an accent thing. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work on that as we go forward. Yeah, delighted to be joined as ever by Will Owen. How are you doing? All good, all good. Delighted to be back here. Another time for another historic rugby game. And from the Scrum of the Earth podcast, very excited to be joined by the one and only Mr. David Lawrence. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so it's so fun to be on the show. I'm, I've been listening since the very beginning. Oh. Not always sure why, but I do love it and <laughs> uh, can't get enough. And uh, yeah, really happy to be on here. A quick question for you guys mm. as we're getting started. What number is higher? People named Ollie in England or people named Reese in Wales? <laughs> <laughs> I oh. would guess now people called Ollie in England because mm. I coach three Ollies in like in my starting 15. <laughs> there's three Ollies. So I feel like every teenager is called Ollie. Mm, there's a lot of them. But I think historically, I think Reese is a more timeless name. There's not many Ollies over 45. Yeah. My middle Whereas name is a solid Reese, number of, of Reese's. Yeah, yeah. Running through. So I think in terms of like density, I think there's more Ollies under 35 in England than <laughs> there are Reese's under 35 or in any age range in Wales. But well, I've never met an Ollie, never met a Reese, but really? England had three Ollies last weekend. I think Wales had four Reeses just on the bench. Yeah, the yeah. bench was all Reeses. <laughs> it was an entirely Reese bench. And we didn't even have Priestland out. We could have put out more. I know. Henry, Reese Henry could have come out. Like there's so many options here. There's so many Reese. Why haven't we got a Reese 15 together yet? Hey. I, I imagine that if player strikes did go ahead, then we'd probably be looking at doing novelty selection 15s based on names. We could bring Matthew Reese out of retirement. Yeah. Richie Reese as well. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many options here. Yeah. Again, the surname Ollie, less popular. <laughs> Side pod. Yeah. Jamie Oliver, get him on the wing. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't he just stand there saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would be great for the team nutrition, though. Yeah, sure, he's, sure. The, 
the the one thing he's hate we're doing vague weird introductions to british cuisine and culture jamie oliver did a massive campaign when me and will were in school to make school dinners healthier and yeah and he was very successful in it so we got broccoli for dinner (laughs) in school (laughs) it's a it was a hell of a time safe to say we always talk about hatred for this man now (laughs) <laughs> oh there is a lot of it there is a lot of it like when he tried to ban two for, two for one pizzas and there was just suddenly like a national outrage against him he banned chicken nuggets in schools that was another one what a wanker wow <laughs> he's just the weird little guy weird little well, guy I'm out of school. it's about time people stopped having fun <laughs> I was once visiting our, but no, I was staying with our mum's friend before traveling to Japan for the World Cup in 2019. And I, my flight was early in the morning and we stayed with my mum's friend who lives in London. So, you know, because it was close to the airport. And I had stopped lost outside a house and was just kind of looking for directions, standing about. And I was ended up stopping there for like 10 minutes. And there was a guy came out of that house and stared at me. So I moved along and I pointed that out to our mum's friend later on. And they went, do you know whose house that is? And I went, no, who was it? Went, That's Jamie Oliver's house. <laughs> and it was like Jamie Oliver's gardener had come and stared at me. <laughs> He's a fan Broccoli of the podcast. All over his hands. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, let me out of here. Let me out. <laughs> I want nuggets. I need nuggets. <laughs> guys, two for one. Do you guys have two for one? Two for one pizza? <laughs> throw it over the fence. If you've got a McDonald's, <laughs> throw it over the fence. I haven't seen anything that isn't green in years. <laughs> they say green fingers. That's just the equivalent of fish fingers. It's not because I'm a gardener. Well, there's a there's a very um, sort of home style you know, ye oldie fashion-y type restaurant near us. And mm. it seems like the only the only vegetable they have is corn. And at one point I was there with my partner. She said something like, it, it, do you have any kind of green vegetable at all? And the woman just looked at us with stone face and said, what do you think? You're funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> we did not. <laughs> <laughs> Before we carry on, I, I must ask you, may I call you David? First and foremost. Of course. Yes. Second of all, I must say that this is the first time that we have outwardly had two New England Free Jacks fans on of this course. podcast. That's right. Yes. It's very Still exciting. Good. Yeah, good win at the weekend. <laughs> it was. It was a it was a it was a nice little win. It was a terrible broadcast. Did not did not go very well. <laughs> I'm not sure if the audio guy is gonna survive that one and uh whew. The conversations <laughs> between the lead official and the TMO, almost everything he said, she kind of would be like, what? What did you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When she was trying to say, oh, yeah, that's a scrum five meters from the try line, 15 meters from the touch line. And the referee was kind of like, OK, so scrum on the 22, maybe. And she's like, no, 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 no. You, you want to pedal it back a bit. And then <laughs> eventually it reached a point where he kept asking the question of like, am I OK where I show? And she went, yeah, that's fine. Fuck it, like, don't bother moving. And there was the the perhaps try he was looking at, and it kind of looked obvious it was a knock-on. The comms were convinced it was a knock-on. And uh, and he's like, okay, can you take a look at this? Uh, I've got grounding. And she goes, D- D- did you say you've got grounding? <laughs> <laughs> Not a good start. That's every successful TMO intervention. Yeah. You want passive aggressive interference. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, 10 of our 15 starters were brand new faces. So I think that was yeah. a pretty good result. Yeah. yeah, it's a big turnaround. A big, you know, there's a few big Bowden Wacker. What are we going to do without him? Things look yeah. all right considering, but. Well, there's a giant sucking sound coming from, from Canada where we have siphoned off all their internationals <laughs> yes. and have now absorbed them into our organization. I will also add that for the benefit of any other of the many New England Free Jacks fans who are listening, and there'll be loads of them, mm. that David, you're the man who took the picture of Holden Younger holding yogurt. Yes. Yes. He was so nice about it. I, I was like, hey, excuse me, can I just take your picture? Can you hold this? And he kind of looks at me like, huh? And he goes, oh, holding yogurt. <laughs> Has he heard that a lot? I don't think so. He looked like no. he had to piece it together. And then he was like, oh, that's pretty great. His mutton chops are back with a vengeance this year. He looks oh, like you yes. know he's walking the streets at night in a Dickens novel. <laughs> holding yogurt. Actually, yes, that is a very yogurt. Dickens name, isn't it? Like that's, that's so Charles Dickens. This? Not as Dickens as Foster DeWitt. That no. is as far as <laughs> the crossover of Charles Dickens and New England Free Jacks go. That is about the pinnacle. Are you doing some kind of quiz of is this a Dickens character or is this New England? Oh, I should. I should. I'm getting back on, David. I'm definitely doing that. (laughs) (laughs) We just need Kimmy Black to change his Wikipedia to say he was once a a chimney sweep when he was seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very quickly. Uriah Heap. Is this a Charles Dickens character or New England Free Jack? (laughs) I'm going to say New England Free Jack. There's a great uh, list of it's like prescription medicine or heavy metal band. really good good. uh well no that was a charles dickens character Uh, ethan fryer that's got to be a free jack that is a free jack indeed wayne vanderbank that's a free jack that is a free jack the artful dodger (laughs) that's neither (laughs) uh that's 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 mitch wilson i think playing 15 for us (laughs) (laughs) spot on spot on what form he's been in it was in last season picking it right back up mr dick that's Got to be whatever the answer that wasn't Free Jacks is. I've already forgotten what we're on about. Dickens, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Wackford Squeers. That's that's not correct. That could that's, be either. Come on. That's, <laughs> I'm not buying that. That's some that's something in the animal kingdom. <laughs> that is a Dickens character. Regan O'Gorman. That's a free jack. That is indeed. I am amazed at how quickly we got that together and got through that. Outstanding work, everybody. <laughs> everybody passes. Jason Petoros. Dickens. That is a New England Free Jacks fly half who's just come in. Jason Potros. Yes. Potros. Uh, Bodine Waka had some choice words about him. He said, well, I know he looks 45, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, I noticed, calls, calls him Potty, which I'm not sure. Potty. That, yeah, that is an unfortunate nickname. Yeah. Can we get Potty and Andy Urin to play together as halfbacks? <laughs> Does Andy Urin have a sister named Emma who plays the women's game? I don't know if they're related. Mm. Okay. They're both scrum halves, aren't they? It was just the only two times I've seen that last name. Yeah, mm. and they're from similar parts of the UK, so I'm not sure if they're related. I always kind of assumed they are, but I'm I think not they're sure. not, but I'm not sure. I think I saw her playing sevens for, for you know, quote, Great Britain, unquote. Yeah. Um, uh, the recent tour yeah i don't know I'm, i don't know no, i'm not sure unfortunately we're so underprepared it's not as hey mentioning bowden wackett sister that plays obviously stacy flew brother obviously she's scored the winning try in a world cup final 
Bowden Wacker was a key part of the New England Free Jacks run to finish top of the table. I don't know which one's more impressive, frankly. I think they're and both it, about She's level. added that last name to her name now. When you when you watch the Blackburn Sevens play, they they say Stacy uh, Waka Fuller. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so there must cool. have been some sort of reconciliation that I don't know anything about. <laughs> so, David, I do want to move us slightly along because I, I am mm. so curious about how you got going with the podcast how you mm. got going with the, the scrum of the earth podcast for anyone that hasn't listened it's well worth going and checking out how did you get going with it how did you fall into doing it uh i think my partner got sick of me just chewing her ear off about rugby constantly <laughs> <laughs> and uh she was like why don't you do a freaking podcast or something no it, i mean it, it is actually born of that i I have precious few people to talk to about rugby and I found myself wanting to more and more. And I'm watching multiple leagues week in and week out and have mm. these, all, all these sort of half formed, half baked ideas and opinions that I'm desperately trying to share with people. And uh, so I guess, yeah, almost exactly 17 months ago, I just started making the pod. And what I discovered really quickly is people who love rugby want to talk about rugby. So yeah. I think I've, uh, so the episode that went out last night is episode 182, hmm. but I think wow. 79 of those are interview episodes, including two with Will here. <laughs> Some incredible people have been like, sure, yeah, uh, I'll show up and talk to you for a while. And it's, Will it's as well. totally amazing. Yes, I've <laughs> also got, there have been some genuine, fantastic guests you've had on. Like, because firstly, you've got a lot of people who are in kind of our circle. You've spoken to mm. Lee, for example, from Blood and Mud. A lot of the people from the Scottish Rugby Podcast, you know, spoken mm-hmm. to Johnny and John and all of those, haven't you? But also, like, you've had, like, Dallin Stanford's been on a few times. Mm-hmm. You've had yep. Philippa Tuttiet's been on. You've She's had some amazing. Like, really good She's guests. Great. Yep, Bernard Jackman came on. That I was oh, wow. stunned yeah. at that one. But the, the Women's World Cup series I did with Rachel Law, it's just, it was the best. She's going to come back to help me preview the Women's Six Nations. Oh, uh, we're going to do a midway point and a wrap-up one, too. She is just made of magic. It's so much fun. And now she's on the Thistles, too, so... We oh, might amazing. be watching her on TV and then talking to her, which would be amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really great. That's really exciting. So how did you fall into rugby as well? How did you, because obviously you're not from a particularly well-known rugby stronghold. Where did <laughs> no. the kind of love of rugby begin for you? It's weird. So back in high school, a friend of <laughs> mine went on this summer program. It was so niche. She was, he, he was studying spelunking in New oh, Zealand. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know why he decided I need to learn cave diving. Now that I'm in high school, now that I'm a junior in high school, it's time I learned how to cave dive. But he did so in New Zealand. And when he came back, he said, the only things you need to know are there's only one sport that matters in the world. It's called rugby. The team that's the best at it in the world is called the All Blacks. And the best coat you can ever buy is called a swan dry. (laughs) (laughs) The three things he taught me. Swan dry, apparently still very successful company. And so, you know, for years... I'm kind of on the lookout for it because it's just really hard to find. And so, mm. you know, you come home at 2.30 in the morning and you're checking ESPN 6 and it's like, oh, hey, this this is that rugby thing on. And it's just mystifying, you know, because it's first of all, <laughs> yeah. 2.30 in the morning and you just come back from the bar. But I distinctly remember seeing people in the stands holding up signs that said, try and thinking, try, that's it. Don't you mean kill them, stomp them, you know, <laughs> dominate something? Just try what? Like, oh, we're happy as long as you show up and try a little bit. So, so it was always mystifying. But then, yeah. I happened to discover that one of my coworkers is a USA Hall of Famer, and so oh, wow, to talk about to talk to about this, 
she has, I mean, she's another one of my incredible guests. She, she played in the first two women's world cups. She scored a try against England in the championship final. Oh, wow. She's incredible. And so I got to bend her ear. Soon after that was when that the Amazon, you know, the all or nothing thing came out about the mm. all blacks. Everyone I know who was already a rugby fan hated that series and just thought it was like condescending and dumb and overly simplistic. I was wrapped because it answered so many questions that I had no way to find out the answers to otherwise. You know, it, it, the simple things like, oh, no, you don't have a number. You're playing this number today. Like that's kind of hmm. anti the way American sports works. You get, you know, you get your number and then it's your number and they sell jerseys based on that and stuff. So I remember people complaining about, oh, could we have a longer scene of them sh- sewing the, the numbers onto Rico Ioanni's jersey? And I'm like, that taught me a lot, actually. So it, it was actually a nice springboard for me. And right around that same time, ESPN started carrying Super Rugby, which was the first competition I started oh, yeah. watching. And then I think what was then the top 14 they, they picked up as well. Yeah, so it's just kind of evolved over time. And Flow Rugby is the main provider I, I use now, which I complain about all the time because it's unreliable. It's really frustrating. On the other hand, they have a shitload of rugby that <laughs> yeah. nobody else has. So, you know, I'm in for the long haul, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so when when roughly was that that you first got into rugby? Do you know, like a rough year on that? Yeah, 2014, I think. Okay, okay. So, of course, I was looking at 2007 in this World Cup. This was before you were kind of into it. So, mm-hmm. do you, like, how familiar are you as a fan of kind of USA rugby with a lot of these players on this team? Oh, not at all. I mean, of all the rugby I've watched, the Eagles have to be the smallest amount. Like, they oh, wow. hardly they hardly ever play, you know. Um, when they do, it's it's hard to find. I remember I shelled out eight bucks for the for some weird Australian service I had never heard of to watch us play Hong Kong in that little mini round robin. Uh, mm. Was it part of the repechage or just before it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's one of the biggest problems with USA Rugby is they don't get time together. Geographically, mm. they're very far apart. A lot of our best players aren't even playing on the continent right now. So, and then they just get so little action. There, There was like an America's Cup for a while, but it just kind of vanished usa rugby had that bankruptcy they've dealt with um mm. they recently just sent out a, a like to whom it may a concern kind of letter explaining exactly what the situation is why it's very difficult for them but really spelling out these are the steps we're planning to take this is how we're going to get to where we need to be by the time we're hosting this world cup it's obviously an opportunity for usa rugby that is potentially once in a lifetime and they they really don't want to screw it up. And, um, yeah. you know, reading that and talking to people like Alex Magleby, who's the, the CEO of the Free Jacks, he's given me a lot more sort of hope and confidence in our program. We shall see how that unfolds. But MLR is going well. Interest is growing. People Awareness is growing. I think we're on the right track. It's just uh, it's a rough road. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel things are growing and progressing? What's the kind of feeling you're getting as someone that is very involved with, you know, kind of American rugby on the ground, as it were? It's very slow, and it's because our national team never appears. Um, Sevens has become pretty big. I know lots of people who watch Sevens whenever they can, but Mm. don't care about 15s at all. Obviously, the teams that are more successful are going to get more eyes on them and stuff like that. And, of course, our women's Sevens are fantastic. They're doing great this year. So you see it in tiny, tiny little bits. But the men's Eagles need top-level action, not – getting shellacked by 95 points by the All Blacks at a stadium that nobody wants to go to anyway, like as a one-off. It's hard to see how it's going to come, but that's what it needs to be. It needs to be playing here two nations like Wales. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, get, getting that top level action yeah. where people can see it, where it's on a, a, an actual broadcast network that people are going to watch. They have plans for these things. They have these little baby steps all mapped out. I have confidence in that map, but it is a few years that you're looking at. It is a, it is a road that travels into the distance, shall we say? Yeah. And that's the like, I remember, be, uh, I've mentioned being in Japan three times now. This is sounding extremely white touristy went on a gap year. But yeah, I remember speaking to you. get good it. sake where I live. If you want good sake. You've got to, you've got to fly. You've got to do gotta it. You've got to go to Tokyo. <laughs> but yeah, I remember speaking to a Japanese fan at one of the games who was just so overwhelmed. Like he was almost crying before kickoff because he'd mm. been going to watch rugby every week for, you know, like he was sort of. God, like maybe 50, 60, I guess, sort of in that ballpark and had been going to watch rugby all his life since he was in his 20s. And he'd never had this. He'd never been, you know, he never thought, he never could have imagined coming and there being a crowd of 50,000, 60,000, whatever it was, to watch a game as a neutral. You know, he couldn't imagine that many people coming to watch the Japanese team play a big match, never mind coming to see, you know, where was Uruguay or whatever it was, whatever the, the match was, where was Georgia maybe. Yeah, and so I hope that's where things are heading. And I think there is such a thing as the World Cup fever taking over. You know, you really felt it in Japan, you felt it in England in 2015, the two I've been at. And I can imagine it's going to be the same in France. You know, you've already seen footage of balls going up and appearing around Paris and so on. And hopefully it does. But the worry is, is, it going to ha- is that going to happen too late? Is that going to happen in the days leading into the tournament rather than the months allowing you to sell tickets and you know obviously you've got years leading in beforehand and i just spoke with mike rogers who's one of the assistant coaches the the Hmm. lead assistant coach for the free jacks and he spelled out pretty nicely you know pretty honestly some of the problems with you know facing major league rugby where part of the mission is to grow the game in the united states Hmm. but part of the mission is also to win and so Hmm. the teams that bring in New Zealanders and people from the NPC. It used to be people from the Curry Cup, but I think the, the the scheduling has changed. They have a real advantage. The teams that had, I think, the most New Zealanders last year were represented in the finals. Mm, and yeah. you're kind of mixing this short-term view of I want to win this year or next year with this idea of we really need to be building the academy. We really need to be, to yeah. be bringing in younger Americans to get playing time, to get time on the field. Um, it's a juggling act, and you know, mm-hmm. it's it's something that all the teams are struggling with now and doing you know various methods for it the dallas jackals have reached down into argentina we just Mm. grabbed as many people as we could from canada and we we continue to have this real sort of back and forth vein between us and the npc those schedules dovetail so perfectly Mm. the players can play in the npc and then in the mlr and just and suddenly they're professional players when they were semi-pros before but for every NBC player, we get that somebody coming out of, you know, an American college going, what do you mean? I don't have a slot. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You look at that Giltini's Galactico team that won a couple of years ago before they exploded. And you, like when you think of the players they had, Im- immediately your mind goes to Matt Gitto and Admashta Cooper and DCH yeah. van der Merwe and Dave Dennis and so on. Like these are all internationals and legends from other nations rather than mm-hmm. Americans. And this is the thing, right? That bringing in Matt Gitto and Admashta Cooper enormously grows the profile of the Giltinis and of MLR within rugby fans, but Absolutely, it doesn't grow yeah. it to other people within LA. Like no. if the you know the Nottingham Panthers who are the local hockey team and are like a reasonably big deal, they're one of the most followed you know ice hockey teams in the UK. I think there's wow. you know in the top two, uh, sort of them and Sheffield are the two big ones that have kind of big followings in the the English leagues. But if they signed the best NHL player of the last five years 
you know, a kind of a legend of the NHL. Unless it's Wayne Gretzky, I won't know who it is. That's it. Yeah, no, he's like, not a household name, is he? It wouldn't change. He used to rugby fans, but yeah. yeah. So unless you've already got a level of understanding. But there isn't a rugby player who would bring that crowd over to, you know, other than maybe Jonah Lomu, who's dead. Or Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson, an absolute push, because you can play the David Beckham advert. There isn't a player of that profile you can kind of bring over and you can kind of bring in. You know, they could sign Bowden Barrett or they could sign Antoine Dupont and it wouldn't have the kind of impact that you would hope outside of, you know, kind of rugby circles that exist already. Oh, yeah. Bowden Barrett could walk to the store and buy all his own groceries, totally unmolested. Not one person would stop him unless it was to say, oh, you you seem to have dropped a shoe, sir. <laughs> Is it your orange? <laughs> it's a funny accent you've got there. Doesn't sound like you're holding a gun. Oh, my God. Are you British? <laughs> oh, I, when I was in Canada a few years ago, God, I keep doing it. Sorry. Someone asked me where I was from. And when I said oh, I'm from you know, the UK, and they went like, oh, phew, I just I didn't want to offend you in case you're Australian or something. <laughs> I was like, Is it? OK, cool. Right. But yeah, so fascinating stuff. I'm instead going to head backwards a bit to 2007. Because the the game today, as we have alluded to, was the thrilling, unforgettable matchup between the <laughs> USA and Tonga. So, I mean, should we start looking at this USA team? Because I think it's a it's an interesting side to say that it doesn't necessarily go the way they're looking for. But this is also mm. the USA's second game in four days. We mentioned that about against Japan. So Japan in the previous episode had played another finalist from the previous World Cup four days earlier. The USA played the other finalist from the last World Cup four days earlier, although they didn't actually play any rugby in that game, which is a cunning tactic to save it back <laughs> for this one. So, yeah, David, what did you make of the, the USA's well, lineup? Like, who stood out to you? Well, it, it, it's interesting, too, the the way we ended up actually qualifying. So, oh yeah, in my, in my little notes, I, I mentioned... I, I did have time to go back and watch this and, and do a little tiny bit of research because I don't have to do any research or studying for the Rugby World Cup 2023. Um, <laughs> so it was easy to look back 16 years when we hadn't been knocked out of the qualification by Portugal. And <laughs> there's, of course, indirect history there, though, because in 2007, we lost out on the America's Two slot by getting our asses handed to us by Canada in Newfoundland, which is also the type of dog that I'm hoping we're going to see running onto the pitch during one of them. <laughs> we had to beat Uruguay to snag the America's three slot. And then the final slot, the one we missed out on this time, you know, this year went to, yep, Portugal, who edged out Uruguay by a single point on aggregate. Mm. And they became then the only wholly amateur team to qualify for the 2007 Cup. Plus our chance, right? Mm. Because that was the thing, wasn't it? Like, we, we forget this. Argentina had to qualify in one of the America slots for mm-hmm. 2007. That's mad, considering how mad well now, they did. Considering yeah. where we are now. But, like, they had to be, they were one of the extra qualifiers. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, as you say, leads to leads to that situation. The USA kind of sneaking in. So, yeah, they qualified, what, late 2006, about a year out from the tournament. So they had some time, but it was still, as I said, pushed far closer than you'd, you'd have hoped. And I think those two that that two game series against Uruguay would, might, at least from what I could find, were our only other tests that year. Wow! Like, talking the prime example of us just never playing anyone; they just never get together. 
That's wow, mad. yeah. That's... And you can imagine that in the USA there is absolutely no buzz about this tournament as kind of a consequence of that. That, you know, mm. a lot of them probably, a lot of people won't have known this was happening. And, you know, you mentioned that the USA lineup, like, it's not the most inspiring lineup, is it? Yeah. Um, so the USA played a preseason game against Munster just before this tournament after flying over. Oh, wow. Which they lost 6 <laughs> 10. Let's not cover that one. Which, yeah. I think RG, I think RG Snyman got hurt in that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a standing item. <laughs> we did have some great Americans on this on this roster. Todd Clever is pretty mm. amazing. <laughs> Mike McDonald had I think he had left Steely Dan at that point and he was playing <laughs> for us full time, which was nice. Yeah, those I think those are the two standouts in the pack, aren't they? Clever and McDonald. It's a good USA pack full of like underrated hard work like alec parker was a mm. very good kind of veteran player played you know for had a 13 year international career as you say he's one of those players that would have had 100 caps if he played for a lot of nations yeah but because the usa don't play that many tests he won his first cap in 1996 when his last cap in 2009 only won 58 in that time despite being wow. in the 23 for pretty much his entire career alec parker yep. is what you would refer to as a nuts and bolts second row Yes, yeah. Uh, Louis Stampel at six as well. You know, there's a lot of... Owen Lentz in the front row, one of those weird players who just kind of appeared in a World Cup year, was a (laughs) South African who decided he was American now, uh, moved to Maryland and was like, cool, I am now American. How are you doing, fellow American? That's supposed to be a South African accent. It's not very good. (laughs) That was excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just decided he was American, American played for them in the World Cup, and then was like, cool, I'm going back to South Africa now. See ya. <laughs> some, of the, some of the people on our roster, when you look them up, there's basically nothing even there. You know, Chris Ostentowski, his entire Wikipedia is that he was a rugby union prop, and he played in the 20, 2007 Rugby World Cup. Wow. Well, he Ta-da. certainly did that. I can verify that information. Yeah, we, we've, we've seen We this. should is... really start editing that with every touch of the ball he gets. And just adding that, just to make it a little bit more specific. <laughs> we could go full Cali Black. 42 minutes, 13 seconds, he knocked it off. <laughs> <laughs> and then lost the scrum. Um, so, yeah, looking to the back line, they've got Mike Herkus again as captain. And I, spoiler alert, I think Mike Herkus has a very good game here, backing up uh, what was a mixed bag, say, against England. But maybe very good is a bit strong, but I, I, I liked him. And then, of course, the winning is... really got on him for his, for his kicking as the match wore on. They really yes. started to hammer him. I'll tell you what, I have looked up Chris Ostensowski, and there is actually a quietly fascinating guy here. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, right, he, as Ostensowski came in, obviously, start of the, start of the professional era, you know, kind of came in as a prop when his first cap in 2004, so sometime into it, you know, solid into his 20s in his career there. But, right, he was an avowed amateur and wants to remain an amateur player his entire career. The greatest force for good in the world. world. Amateurism. So he worked extremely hard to be a great prop and was the best tight head in the United States for some time. But he did all of that whilst holding down a demanding separate career. So he just, he just, he hated the idea of being a professional. He didn't want to be a professional rugby player. The tight head. (laughs) Wow. 
the everything you can find on him talks about him just being one of the hardest workers you'll ever come across. Do you think somebody's there constantly trying to update his Wikipedia page to talk about his whole rugby career and he's then going back himself and deleting it all saying, no, I played for America in the rugby. That's all of the professional information you can give me. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just a normal man. I'm just an innocent man. (laughs) He went on to become an executive, a healthcare executive in Houston. Wow. Really? Where are you finding this information? Bloody Google. It's all (laughs) over. I'm surprised he's not wiped it from Google somehow. Yeah, he doesn't want anyone to know his clear history. He doesn't want to be a professional. He doesn't want to be anywhere near a professional. (laughs) Oh, that could be his bio. Yes. Netflix will pick that up on the spot if you just say those words. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they won't get any access and able to film it, but like they'll be, you know, they'll be about. (laughs) They'll, They'll offer it. Yeah, but this American backline, which is a bit more similar to the team that played the week before, four days earlier. Again, like you mentioned Herkus, Chris Wiles, but you've also got on one wing, Takaziwa and Gwenya coming in. They mentioned a few times on commentary, yeah, how green he was. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like they mentioned on on comms that he runs the 100 metres in 10.5 flat, which is insane for a rugby player. You can tell he's still learning to be a winger rather mm. than just a sprinter. And they say that at one point in the comms, like he's still kind of like learning the ins and outs of the game, like defensively and so on. And you can see that. And it is one thing I love because we know how good a player he was when he was at the peak of his powers. Unfortunately, as when we covered 2011, he didn't get as many opportunities uh, in that tournament, which is a real mm. shame. But like, I think Nguenya is infinitely better in this game than he was in the England game. And he only gets the ball like three times. You can already see he has learned from playing against Jason Robinson and so on, which I love. Yeah. So prior to this tournament, he had a bit of time in sevens and had played, he sort of started playing rugby in like 2005, played for the USA sevens in 2007 for the first time, and then was drafted right into the 15s team for the World Cup. And before this, right before this tournament, was offered a trial with Saracens by Eddie Jones. Oh, wow. Um, however, he was going to sign it, but then off the back of this tournament, Beeritz gave him a considerably better offer, full two-year contract. And that went on to go very well for him. Yeah, you can see the potential in him. You can totally yeah. see why a top-end French or English club would go, no, we can turn this guy into a world-class winger, which they did. Yeah, played for Beeritz for nine years including playing in a Heineken Cup final, playing a top 14 final. He stuck by them right until like for the highest highs of, yeah, the the Heineken Cup final, all the way down to like he stuck with them in the Pro Day Duff for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was the top scorer in the Heineken Cup the season I made the final when he was there. Was, you know, just an outstanding player and still learning his craft here. But like the first time he gets the ball, it's absolutely electric. thrilling, isn't it? Like everyone stands up. They they even, uh, he gets the ball after the clock has passed 80 minutes and he just dusts the defender who was on him. Like the pace he shows, even at that point, after being in all game. And then at the comms were like, oh, he just doesn't know how to finish it yet. He just doesn't know how to finish it. <laughs> Apparently. Boy, will he get I, I also noticed, so he was born in Zimbabwe. And then hmm. after high school, moved to Plano, Texas. And I figured, well, that's probably pretty much the same, like weather-wise. But then I actually went and looked it up and no, no, Texas is so much worse. 
<laughs> Harari never gets much hotter than uh, 28 Celsius, 36 down in Plano. Wow. Wow. That's a hell of a thing. Should we have a quick look at the Tonga team? Yes, let's look at Tonga. This is Tonga's first game of the tournament. They're coming in completely fresh into this game. They qualified that February, so only a few months out from the tournament. Oh, they wow. were the last qualifier, or the penultimate qualifier, but they were towards the end anyway. They had qualified by beating Korea 83-3 in <laughs> Auckland, which sounds like quite a rough game. But when you look at World Rugby's official write-up on it, it's got the Tonga 83, it's then got a list of all of the scorers, Korea 3, Hong Jun Ki with a penalty, what a guy... Great Congrats work. It then lists the following stats. Halftime, 38 nil. Crowd, 2,800. Conditions, Ooh. hot, sunny, pitch hard and fast. I don't know why that's listed. <laughs> Sounds like someone's <laughs> picked that on a video game. Like where yeah. you can choose the conditions. <laughs> if I pick the conditions, you have to pick the pitch. Yeah. I, th- th- actually, this whole match report's really odd. Tonga were too big and fast for a gallant career side, easily winning the World Cup qualifying match played in West Auckland today, 83-3. Tonga's massive height advantage was put to good use, and Tonga struggled to defend against explosive runners like fullback Vungalilo and centre Hudson Tongawea. The Web Ellis Cup was on display throughout the game and received a rousing applause when paraded around the ground at half-time. Vice Chairman of the IRB, Mr. Bob Tucky, greeted both captains on the pitch before the game and enjoyed the spectacle and excellent spirit the game was played in. Oh, yes, rugby values. <laughs> the, sight of, the sight of Tongan and Korean fans mixing together on the embankment made for a stirring sight with flags and national dress symbolising the international flavours of rugby union. <laughs> the excellent crowd of 2,800 basks in the summer heat and provide an atmosphere to match the temperatures. Korea had their moments in the scrum and tried hard, but their supporters were the clear winners on the sideline with horns, <laughs> drums and cymbals, drowning out their Korean counterparts. Tonga now join England, South Africa and Samoa in the USA in Pool A in the Rugby World Cup in France later this year. I vote that wh- whoever wow. wrote that up gets a vote on Man of the Match and Dick of the Day in this game. <laughs> I really want to know their opinions on they don't rugby. Mention being a true single video. try. <laughs> I can't believe in the Tonga official thirteen tries, and they don't mention one of them in the official write-up. They used the phrase "it was nice to see them playing together," which is seriously the questionable. The supporters were the clear winners. That's a real. That's a real I'd, quote from the match report. I'd say rugby was the winner. Yeah, I would say so. With a shout. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on for, for us all to give Rugby Man of the Match later on now. <laughs> hey, I'm glad that the Vice Chairman, Bob Tucky, enjoyed the spectacle and the excellent spirit the game was played in. I always thought it was Robert Tucky. I'm surprised he goes by Bob. Yeah, he's Bob. He's Bob. He's Bob to his friends. You know, he's classic De Niro style. They get compared <laughs> a lot, Robert De Niro and Bob Tucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tonga then, off the back of this, played in the 2007 Pacific Nations Cup, where they came fifth out of six teams. Wasn't a great kind of tournament for them. They got battered by Australia A and the Maori All Blacks, or the Junior All Blacks, rather. How, you know, like Marty Holler scored for the Junior All Blacks. Scott Hamilton, but formerly of Leicester Tigers. Anthony Tuatavake. You know, there's a Ross Filippo, who obviously went on to play for Samoa. 
there was quite a number of of you know players in those teams. Like it wasn't they weren't weak teams. But then I think the Tonga find a, a similar Tonga team to play in this game lost fifty points to three to Samoa, wow. which was a battering. You had David Lemmy scored two tries, Census Johnson scored two tries, Mahonu Schrauger scored, Alexander Tuolangi. Um, their only win in that tournament, the only win that year other than the one against Korea to qualify, was against Fiji, however, which I think was the game where they took a lot of their confidence going into this, where they won 21-15. Kind of tight game, one for late try by Via Falau, which I think was kind of the performance they won. Let's forget all of the others. Let's take that one. Let's take that one and go with that. Yeah. You look at this squad on paper that Tonga have, and you think, I, personally, I think it's so strong. Mm. Like, a, a look at the squad that they took to this World Cup. And, like, on paper, I would say, and I, I have said this in a previous episode, it's one of the greatest Tongan squads you'll ever see. Mm. Like, in terms of the players they had, I know that this game was up and down, we'll say, mm. like, in terms of their performance. But, like, first and foremost, the front row, Sawani Tongawea, huge, long career at Northampton. Aleki Lutui, I mean, played for absolutely ages. So this is his first Rugby World Cup performance. He won his first cap in a World Cup warm-up for 1999. No. But it didn't go wow. to either 99 or 2003, but did go to t- 2007, 2011, and 2015, and still <laughs> plays today in 2023. He still plays like amateur rugby in England, absolute which is hero. phenomenal. And then Kisi Pulu, who had a long career at Perpignan, mm. a really well-rated player in the top 14, good scrummager and, you know, solid around the park. Really strong front row. Yeah. And also at fullback, playing in his first World Cup, Bunga Lilo. Yeah. Favourite on this podcast, the world's slowest fullback. Yeah. Back <laughs> when he had, a li- he had a little bit of pace. He had a tiny bit point. of pace. Like his pace was rated at like 20 out of 100. He looked like a fullback. Video game here. You know, um, slightly more like a fullback than he would later in his career. Yes. Absolutely. Like, my abiding memory of him, I mean, no, I've got abiding memories that I enjoyed from the kind of the 2011 period when he was in his pomp and he was very good despite being very slow. But I remember yes. on his last cap for Tonga, getting outpaced by Rob Evans, a prop in the yes. foot race where he had a head start. He was 50 years old by that point. Yeah, he but was, yes, yeah. cut him some slack. Elsewhere in the Tongan pack, you've got Pino Hahir, a huge second row forward mm. who is terrifying, had a really good long career. Hale Tapole, back row, second row, played for Tonga for the best part of probably nine, ten years. Nearly Latu went on to captain him again in 2015. Final Maka on test debut. Yeah, on eight. debut. Having been playing for Toulouse for a while at this point. Yeah. Having, you know, playing been, well by all accounts. Yeah, kind of in, in All Black contention previously. You know, his right. brother won four caps for the All Blacks in the 90s. I stole the Maka, his, his older brother. And of course, he was coach kind of in contention. Yeah. Yes. He then moved to Toulouse five years earlier and eventually decided to play for Tonga a year of this World Cup. Decided to kind of do it, give over, play for his home nation, where he was born, of course. And yeah, was kind of a legend at Toulouse, and then went on to become a bit of a legend for Tonga, even though he kind of only played for them in World Cups. Also went on to have a weirdly short boxing career. Really? Yeah, he took up boxing, had two fights, got TKO'd in both of them. (laughs) He gave it a go. Boxing was the true winner. And I mean, Sonny Bill was born. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting thing about his boxing career was the day before his debut fight, the two of them got into a fight at the weigh-in the day beforehand. <laughs> so his opponent grabbed him by the throat. And instead of pushing back or anything, Maka grabbed him, threw him at the ground and was about to punch him on the floor before the fight was broken up. 
He then lost by TKO in the first round. <laughs> Guys, people are paying for this. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Some this... real characters in this Tongan team. Just yeah. Real, uh, it, it almost looked like when you go to see the Sevens and you're like, well, that guy wants to stand out. <laughs> that person <laughs> wants to stand out. <laughs> the last couple of players I want to talk about from Tonga, one of them being Pierre Hola, fly off, um, mm. is I think remembered as basically their greatest 10 ever. Like, ha- is basically the one Tongan 10 in sort of recent memory who's had a genuine sort of kicking game and passing game played in the i think 2003 world cup and you know it was a well-remembered 10 first load of him and rugby added and passing game to rule out kurt morath yes yes however i would say that probably remembered as the biggest character in this tongan team is at inside center they have ep tayoni so yes if you're going to give him that name yes so there's a very interesting David, story do you know this story no, no. I no, okay. This is, yes, an interesting Last story. club with London Welsh, is that true? Yes. Yeah. So he was he started his career as a number eight and flanker, and then before not long before this World Cup was converted to be a centre because they thought, we've got enough number eights and flankers, let's stick him in the centre so we can have him just doing his hard carrying, which he was very, very good at. He was an extremely distinctive player. He often had sort of bright, dyed bright green hair and so on and like some pink hair or whatever. He always stood on the pitch and also from the fact that he was 120 plus kgs. Um, yeah, he infamously during this World Cup, I'm not sure whenabouts it was, but went to KFC and had four chicken buckets to himself. <laughs> I admire this man tremendously. <laughs> yes. It is actually said on comms before the game that Tonga went for a pub, a British pub lunch, as they called it. And between them, they had 30 roast chickens, 60 pounds of roast lamb, 60 pounds of roast beef, and 40 litres of orange juice between oh, this them. Is, this absolutely made my notes because I thought it was so weird. that I mean, was that diet shaming? Like, <laughs> this giant list. But just as it was getting weird, the other guy on comms said, then it's a good thing they weren't hungry. <laughs> which, which totally made it that's very good so Ipi Tayoni, as i say extremely distinctive player was i think quite controversially kind of bounced around clubs because he often got banned for various things but was by all means like a very good player mm. i think he'd been banned for biting and was ditched by a previous club for that reason but so good thing he a... wasn't hungry <laughs> <laughs> The, the most interesting thing about him, so the way that Tonga paid for their facilities and their preparation for this World Cup is because Ipi Tayoni was offered a deal by the Irish betting company Paddy Power. They offered the Tongan rugby team a five-figure sum if he legally changed his name to Paddy Power for the duration of the Rugby World Cup, which he did. World Rugby chose not to acknowledge this or condemn this because, you know, they don't like kind of product placement on the Rugby World Cup. We that spoke before about Paddy Power's means of getting round the product placement laws that right, yes. World right. Rugby had in place. So is this offer still open? Can anyone just apply for that? <laughs> it's worth a go, isn't it? There'll I, be a player yeah. called Scrum of the Earth podcast I, playing yeah. in Portugal next year. <laughs> Suddenly the, the nation of Tonga gets this check and they're like, Who, who's David? <laughs> As Robbie's Oh, in Squarespace, I can legally confirm this. Yeah. So, yeah, he took a five-figure sum. It paid for most of Tonga's facilities and training and KFC, presumably. And, yeah, he then, in order to get around the IRB thing and then being very against it, later changed it again to <laughs> Paddy Power Tyone. 
because he was like, well, I haven't just called myself after a betting company. So the IOB had to make a thing to commentators saying like, no, just call him Tyone, call him by his birth name. Very much preceding their ban on trans players. They're very much the stance there on like, no, we take the birth name. And it all became a bit of a kerfuffle. There was a, it became a very controversial thing out of what was ultimately quite a silly, (laughs) silly deal. Well, that reminds me, and uh, I'm I'm hoping I'm snatching this up before you guys do, because I'm sure you know this one. But hmm. of course, Tonga's scrum half of this game, I think it's, is it Soane Havea? By the way, I, I, halfway through watching this game, I was like, oh, that's it. He's Tongan Faf de Klerk. But <laughs> uh, his actual full name, of course, is Soane Petita Pat Boone Coapi Havea. Just Pat Boone just dropped in there. <laughs> bizarre name that's a great name though it is a great name. great name it is a great name but yes so ipitayoni certainly a character would also dye his hair green in a paddy power like a further bit of sponsorship from paddy power after the iob started to take a stance they paid him to dye his hair green you know to kind of further influence the whole thing yeah weird fascinating character there's a lot going on there yeah and it is as you say a strong tonga team full of players who would go on to have long careers or are in the middle of long careers here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Should we look at the game then? Yes. Uh, We've been here a while. As it was kicking off, the comps said, well, the first thing they said was, it's rather warm for a game of rugby, but thankfully, these two teams are used to these conditions, as if the United States is like a tropical isle somewhere. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh and then they said the united states for the first time maybe find themselves favorites for a match was that true seemingly huh but i don't know because it's a i think because tonga hadn't played much and neither had the usa they're kind of going very blindly on if you look at their last five games the usa have won more and tonga have lost more based on just... the team sheets i expected tonga to win personally. yeah i it's an interesting one i don't know if they were just like laying the favorite at Paddy Power for Tonga in order <laughs> to get their odds down. Yeah, quite possibly. However, USA being in favor won't have lasted long because literally we get like one minute into the game before Tonga are in the 22 and looking threatening. What, like 50 odd seconds in? Tonga have a line out inside the USA 22. Not even that, it's 34 seconds in they get the line out. 34 yep. seconds in. And they just form the most steadily moving forward maul ever that like just before the referee would say yep that's one scrum off it would move again 
you know? Yeah. And then it would stop, so and then can. it would move again. Yeah, like, it... a, like a full stop, too, and not like a slowing down. They'd be like, <laughs> do you guys know what time it is? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Steadily creeping up the pitch. Until eventually, Finn Maka scores one minute into his test debut. At Unbelievable. One of, surely one of the quickest debut tries ever scored. It's got to be up there. Yeah, has so, to be. At 72 seconds into this game, 48 of them have been a maul for Tonga that they've scored off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had it down that the, the try was scored at 111, and then the restart wasn't until 250, so that means that the conversion took longer than it took them to score a try. <laughs> <laughs> Ominous. <laughs> it yeah, it really is a very, very ominous start. Like the first 20 minutes, if you're an American fan, probably felt horrible. They had not woken up at all. Like it genuinely felt like the USA just aren't, weren't in the game. Like as soon as they have the restart, they gather it in their own 22. And Pierre Hola just really effortlessly flings a pass over the, like, the entire USA defense. And Suka Hufang, who was spoken about before in 2011, fantastic runner with the ball gets it in his own 22 and just goes, yeah, all right. And just skins like whoever's made it across. And again, you're just thinking like, are the USA going to bother turning up? Like it looks like it, there's just one team playing. Mm. Like the breakout from their own try line, having just come off that mall. And yeah, they, they do a lovely chip over the top that they regather themselves, get it out wide. And yeah, it starts to take off big time. This whole game has a weird like under 20s World Cup vibe to it. <laughs> like there's something of that like the way the crowd are like almost applauding like good play but they're not really they don't really seem invested in who they're the true win. winners yeah exactly the korean crowd on the sideline i think a man of the match contenders <laughs> i heard uh, they were mixing together <laughs> <laughs> and i'll tell you who was in attendance you won't believe this oh. vice chairman of the irb bob tucky oh yes hey of course good on robert there. Having a great time, you know, really appreciating the spirit and commitment of the teams. <laughs> so, yeah, they Tonga get downfield. Yeah, Holler goes for an absolutely shit drop goal. Attempt. It's a 1987 of a drop goal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, big time. It barely gets off the floor. It kind of goes about 10 metres. And, yeah, pretty much is still in contact with some grass the entire way. Yeah. Oh, uh, and speaking of the crowd enjoying themselves, they they of course had the shot of the the American supporter uh, wearing the gorilla suit with the beret, <laughs> and the comms yes! looked at him. And, they looked at him and said, "Every shape and size comes to rugby these days." <laughs> <laughs> He's an actual gorilla. Gorilla on the pitch. <laughs> Not quite. Oh, that would have helped. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bob Simmons, the commentator, because he's he good, is very bog standard. Like he is as anything but also he approaches every game exactly the same way he has approached the world cup final the same way as this game and also like the thing i learned from the way he attacked so many of the tongan names and shouted them like he would shout literally any name with the same level of effort and enthusiasm like it doesn't matter what's happening he can approach all of them with the same tone of voice where he does the same thing like he could shout Pooh McStink dive with the same force he could shout Jonah Lomu. And I rate that. I love that about Bob Simmons. It's a shame that Pooh McStink dive only gets 10 minutes off the bench, though. I know, I know. Legally had to change his name because of the betting company, McStink dive. <laughs> Pooh McStink dive is so much promise in the under 20s, but then just never panned out. 
<laughs> never, never really landed. He was the Jack Clifford of his time. <laughs> of course, named after the big red dog who sponsored him in order to get his name out there, but IOB didn't like it. So we had to legally take the hyphenate of the big red dog off the end of his name. <laughs> oh, uh, McDonald's was one of the official sponsors for this. Was this the last World Cup that had McDonald's as a, as a sponsor? No, he was the loose head. He, that was his birth name. <laughs> Oh, oh, nice. sorry. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Did they sponsor 99 as well? I've got a feeling. I think they sponsored all the way up until this, and I think this was the last one. Right. Okay. Goddamn Jamie Oliver getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> the, the 2007 World Cup brought to you by Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about that Pierre Holler drop goal att- attempt, I'm going to say, mm. in inverted commas, is he had a penalty advantage, and he does knock over the penalty he's given after that. I think that the reason for the penalty was actually because the referee felt sorry for him, rather than because the USA actually infringed. Yeah, so he knocks it over from the kickoff, so while he goes on the charge, Bob Simmons shouts, the man from Northampton, I'm not so sure about that, Bob. <laughs> but... but I also like my one of my favorite things about Sawani Tonga Weir, who was a brilliant player, phenomenal for Northampton at his prime, like just ball carrier, like unbelievable, yeah, almost unplayable at points. He was Um, once top try scorer in the Prem or top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think he was top try scorer one season. Also, do you know who his teacher in school was? Who? Pat Lamb. Really? (laughs) Pat Lamb was a teacher before a coach. And in grand tradition, you know, Warren Gatland, Joe Schmidt, so many more. And yeah, he taught Sawani Tongawea when he was in school. His Wikipedia page about Sawani Tongawea lists notable relatives, is Hudson Tongawea's brother, and it says spouse, Lucy. Just Lucy. Yeah, from, like from Peanuts, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Lucy? The Lucy. You know, the yeah, one yeah. in the sky with diamonds. Uh, yeah. Has seven children. That's why he switched to rugby wow. from football. It's... He couldn't stand her pulling the ball away all the time like that. <laughs> It, Lucy's short for loose head, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. Yeah, si- seven children, seven siblings. Um, <laughs> so no, one of them is going to play for Tonga. Yes. Bound or to. England, well, considering some of them were born when I say bound home. to, I'd say seven of them are going to play for Tonga. <laughs> but I reckon there's, a, there's very good odds. And like six boys and one girl. Yeah. Wow. So... I'd say pretty good odds on at least one of them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so he makes a charge. It goes reasonably well. And this is the point at which I really start to dread approaching this as an American. Because Tonga have had the ball basically three times and they've made easy yardage and scored twice from it. We couldn't do anything. But what I, I think I wrote down got pretty boring for a good 10 or 12 minutes. USA didn't look like they were sure what they were supposed to do with the ball on the rare chances they actually got it. And then it was just that, you know, it's like, good thing, good thing, oops. Good thing, good thing, oops. Over and over again. It's like, hey, we went forward two meters. Okay, here here you go. It's yours again. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. When you said it was like they hadn't woken up, I, I don't know why that just hit me. I'm like, it is exactly like that. It's like this game is at 7 a.m. And they're like, huh, what, what, now, now? Okay, I guess. They hadn't ado- adapted to local time. You know, this was 2 p.m. <laughs> in France. So I don't know what time that would have been back home, but... Yeah, it would have been, what, uh, 10, no, 9 in the morning, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just typed in USA to France conversion and it gave me the euro to dollar exchange rate. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the time of year. Actually, no, that's right. It probably would have been six hours at this time of year, I guess. So, yeah, 
Wow. Yeah. Like eight, so, eight in the morning. Yeah. Hey, I wasn't far off. What do you know? Hey, nice. <laughs> Lovely stuff. This is why we get you on. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, eight plus six. <laughs> now who's in peanuts? So the first moment of hope for the USA is the first time Nguenya gets the ball. <laughs> yes. Yes. Coincidence. They I run a very cunning tactic in this first half, which is give it to Z. Yeah. There's a few moments where they kind of try that out of sheer panic and it yep. doesn't quite work. There's, like, there's that one where Mike McDonald makes a half break and he has this moment of going, I'm one of the best ball carries. Do I go the whole way or do I stick to the game plan and give it to the really fast guy outside me who we don't know much about? And he kind of, he gives it to Nguyenia who then goes, well, what do you want me to do? Um, <laughs> and as we know, doesn't know how to finish it. No. We did. We got three points right at like 32 minutes, and it was what 13 to three at the half. So if you just came in and said, "What's the score?" Okay, we're only down 10, and we were theoretically favored. I feel like you could have some optimism, but the eye mm. test did not tell you that. No, no, no you no. really didn't get that. The USA lineout really was not helpful. That it was very much approaching. Romania 2011 levels of just low success rate from Owen Lentz playing hooker just could not hit his target at all. No. There was once or twice where you could see Alec Parker really stretching and like athletically taking balls that were like way above him or whatever. But like, bless Owen Lentz, he did not have a good game throwing in. It was really difficult for the USA to launch anything off line. Ragged off right after half time. Yeah, we got pulled off around I, 45 minutes. I spent minutes. some time, you know, sort of trying to find le mot juste, just trying to find exactly how to describe our line out. And I think I finally got it. Fucked. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that's it. So am I pronouncing that right? I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same in both our languages. That's one of the words <laughs> I did cover on American Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> just walking around with your headphones, people looking at you. Why does that guy keep saying fucked? <laughs> They bring on for him in the second half, Blake Burdett. And do you want to know Blake Burdett's nickname? Please. Utah Man. <laughs> do you want to know why? Is he a man from Utah? Oh, yeah. He's from Minneapolis. <laughs> what? <laughs> but he did indeed, he, you know, he played for the Utah Warriors. He went to Penn State University and rugby. He briefly, briefly went to Lesser Tigers and never played a game off the back Ooh, of this oh, wow. World Cup, mostly due to injury. But yeah, struggled a bit. But I mostly just like the fact that he's called Utah Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess he just thought Utah was a cooler sounding state or something. There's, there's, <laughs> a stu- there's a stupid joke about two Americans meeting and one of them says, yeah, call me Tex. And the other guy says, oh, what part of Texas are you from? And he says, I'm not. I'm from Louisiana, but I don't want to be called Louise. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. Can I make an observation about Chad Erskine? Yeah, go for it. He is, is that he sounds like the the rich evil kid in a John Hughes movie. <laughs> he does. He does. Erskine. Ah. <laughs> and yet, because he's the bad guy in a John Hughes movie, he's probably more sympathetic than the hero. <laughs> I did my masters on teen movies and had to pretend I like John Hughes. And whew, it really, the more and more I watched those, because I I did a masters on teen movies, which is one of these, you know. Every now and again, I'll mention that to someone that knows me only as the guy who watches a lot of rugby. And they'll be like, what? You've got a master's in teen movies. Which also is exactly how my parents responded when I told them that's what I was doing. 
was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually know you did that as a master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you my, just kept this secret from me the whole time no, because my, I judge you? My master's is officially in writing for performance, but I focused right. on teen movies. That was my area of specialism. So there's a guy who I went to college with, who I was very good friends with, and still hmm. quite good friends with now, who did an AS level. So yeah, first year of A levels. Did an AS level in drama and never told his parents about it because he thought his dad would just say to him like, "Well, that's a bit." soft and so the whole year so northern. kept up yes and the whole year just kept up this lie that like oh i'm doing revision and stuff when he was actually in drama lessons because he never wanted his dad specifically to find out he did a level drama and then eventually when it came when it came to doing his his exam bear in mind so this is his first year he was 17 years old when he did his drama exam which was like a long sort of five hour thing in the evening instead of telling his dad that he was going to do his drama exam he told him he was going to the pub with me to underage drink and that was his cover story was oh no i'm going to the pub i'm I'm, you know gonna go and get hammered basically and so after he finished his drama exam he had to drink a beer so he smelt of beer when his dad saw him when he got in and he's like oh yeah how was the pub then yeah it was pretty good um and so still to this day his parents don't know he did a level drama wait a minute have you been acting I can smell the monologue on your breath. No, Dad, no, I didn't memorise anything. (laughs) I don't mind them acting, but I'd rather they did Shakespeare in the home. (laughs) Or in the pub. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, But it's funny because that whole time, I guess he was essentially acting. He was just just doing extra extra work. That's ideal. Yeah, he's doing extra prep. That's very good. Yeah. I don't think he did especially well in A-level drama, so there was no expectation from his family. I had no idea my John Hughes comment was going to lift this particular rock off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (sighs) We'll see where all of this goes. One day when I cast him in a teen movie and suddenly his dad will find out. Can I ask you all a question? Go for it. How often do you think Todd Clever cuts his hair so that it maintains exactly the same length? (laughs) That's a great question. It's pretty perfect. Good point. Beginning of his career to end is exactly the same. It's always exactly the same length, slightly beyond the shoulder. So he must cut it pretty often. He must it take a millimeter off every night. Yeah. Like he had a 14 year international career, right? And his hair was exactly the same length for every game he ever played. Very consistent play. He must be superstitious. He must I be. I think he's actually become Werner Koch and is still playing in the URC right now. <laughs> I'm gonna. I I'm very willing to spread this fan theory. They are I will the same never see that now. <laughs> and Verdicott Todd Clever, plays you, like a flanker. USA men's most capped player, seventy six caps, seventy three of which were all starts. Pretty amazing. That is wow. amazing. That's really yeah. cool. Again, would have had a hundred caps if he had the opportunity to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Played against the Lions. You know, played Super Rugby. But basically every achievement in the game, he basically ticked off other than trophies. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. What a player. Also uh, came for a club called Austin Huns, which is a ooh, fun nickname for a team. That is a fun I nickname. I like that. I guess I support them now. <laughs> Get them in MLR. Yeah. Just kidding. I can never leave my, my beloved San Diego Legion. 
There's a point then where Tonga just decides, you know what, this game is piss easy. Let's start shooting ourselves in the foot constantly and trying to give USA yep. ways into it. And like on their own try line, constantly going for like cross kicks and stuff. They get extremely lucky that Seeker drops one that he goes for. And you feel like if he caught it, he was probably going to come quite close to scoring. It felt like, you know, they were giving the USA a serve at this point, and going like, no, 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 you can attack us, like, try and test us, come on, let's turn this into a real game, and not much came of it. We were like, no thanks, no, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Pierre Holler decides, I have no interest in being consistent, and he goes for some of the most mental shit you've ever seen. As you say, he tries a cross kick from his own line, he does a particularly bizarre like yeah bob simmons describes the cross kick from his own line as suicidal which seeker knocks on but otherwise he is walking that in that is a pretty that is a a very strong chance at least to try also immediately after that one of the americans on you can hear on the ref mic just screams kill it kill it (laughs) which i hope they've got a more subtle call for that now (laughs) i think that was probably unrelated (laughs) It's the crowd having a great time, really mixing, showing true rugby values on the sidelines. Yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't give my observation about Andy Yerskin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Chad Yerskin. Yes, yeah, sorry, Andy Yorin, Andy, Chad Yerskin. Chad Yerskin is a perfectly handsome man committed to never pulling a face that shows it. Hmm. <laughs> You look at any moment in a game or any photo of him that exists, he is pulling the ugliest faces you have ever seen. And he is a perfectly good-looking guy, but he is just committed to always looking ugly. And I admire that. <laughs> He's very serious about his game face. That's that's yeah. all there is to it. He wants to look serious rather than handsome. Yeah, he's like an anti-Gavin Henson in the look bad, play good. <laughs> well, there's a there's a new player on the on the Free Jacks, Joel Hintz. He's a prop. If you go to the Free Jacks website and just look at the you know the current players, mm. never have you seen an angrier looking face. He just looks like <laughs> I'm about to kill you. And apparently he's the funniest, goofiest guy. Oh wow. Um, he spent last summer wrestling cro- or wrestling crocodiles. Like they call him the crocodile hunter, and he's this absolute off the wall weirdo. It's fantastic. I'm wow. so all in on him. Yeah. Joel Hint sounds like a guy that helps you out in Professor Layton. Oh yes, <laughs> the, the guy you I go to. Want him on my side. Yeah, he sounds great. I'm a big fan yeah. of him instantly. <laughs> Those crocodiles aren't going to wrestle themselves, <laughs> <laughs> as is often said. It's the honey badger over here. Yeah. So like. Pierre Holler, goal kicking outstanding. Any time, like he's kicking down for touch, very good. Any moment he has time to think about it, it works. Any time he doesn't, it's a bit of a disaster. Yeah, there's, as you say, there's a couple of those suicidal ones. There's like plenty that go out on the full uh, <laughs> kicks that he does. That There's one actually, you say that um, his kicking touch was very good, which it was. There is one really good save by Seeker on the wing where it's going into touch and mm. he kind of flies, throws the ball through his legs oh, yeah. to keep it in the field of play whilst he's got the sun in his eyes, which is such an incredible piece of skill. I mean, it doesn't lead to anything, but... Well, he uh, doesn't realise Joseph Vacker is closer than any of his teammates. Yes, and so Chris Wilder has to kick the ball out of his hands, doesn't he? Yeah, and eventually somehow recovers it and makes a break of it. Yeah. But it's very almost another suicidal kick. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm glad you finally mentioned Joseph Vacker. 
he's one of those guys who kind of stands out as soon as you see him come out there. And I was like, what's the deal with this guy? I quick, quickly looked him up. Mormon. Had no idea. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that, and then I also discovered in 2007, Vaca was cautioned by UK police after assaulting a fan at Heathrow Airport. A fan? Jesus. <laughs> I hope it, because it was true men of the match. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hope Once it was because of the hot, fun, sunny conditions. Hot, sunny conditions. They just put a fan on the side and he's attacked a piece of machinery. But no, attacking a, attacking a fan, especially because of his own team. Mm. This is assaulting a fan. I think that could legally mean just yelling really loudly let's hope it's it's nothing more than that yeah his wikipedia page reads he was cautioned by uk police after assaulting a fan at heathrow airport vaca is a member of the church of jesus christ and latter-day saints that he is oh practicing is he (laughs) grouping those two things together is maybe not the best decision it happened (laughs) at terminal three that's a great detail thank you (laughs) oh that part i hadn't noticed that is already more than Chris Ostanowski has on his okay. Wikipedia page. So being knocked out of the tournament by England, on the way home at Terminal 3 at Heathrow, as he was leaving, an England fan had a go at him and made fun of them having been knocked out. And he went for him. <laughs> he ran at him, grabbed him, had a proper Barney. You know what? I get it. Yeah. I'm not defending his actions, but I understand them. <sighs> at least it was on an England fan. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I don't mean that. <laughs> Hashtag rugby league squid hates England. <laughs> he saw somebody in the airport just standing there singing Swing Low, and he was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Mauro Otoji would do the same thing. Yeah, and Ooh. rightfully so. Hookers gets a penalty. There's a little bit of joy yeah. for the USA. They finally oh, get their serve. Tell you what, Mike Hercus, I couldn't tell if he played well or badly, but he does a lot of playing. Yes. I think he played well. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. Yours is an awful lot right. It's a really hard performance. It might be one of those, you know, throwing up shit at the wall situations again. But, you know, I I, I like Mike Kirkus. Um, Yeah. It took him a while maybe to get into the game. But, yeah, no, I think eventually he played well. But, yeah, he gets his first penalty off the back of um, a huge fend by Tuopolotu in the centres for the USA, making a lot of ground. And then Tonga Weir just randomly coming in the side of a ruck for no reason. So Mike Harkis, our all-time points scorer, mm. by the way, uh, 465 points for the Eagles, which is more than 100 ahead of A.J. McGinty. Oh, is McGinty in second now? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. He's climbing up quickly. Mm. I guess mm. he's been around a while now, hasn't he, McGinty? Yeah. He would have come around around 2013-14. Yeah. He's also married to an Australian TV presenter. Really? Called Natalie Michaels, who was a former Sky Sports News presenter in Australia. So, who isn't? (laughs) (laughs) And also, speaking of Herkus, at one point, right around 52 minutes, something happened to him that was kind of off screen, but they said, oh, he doesn't look good. I'm not sure if Herkus is going to be able to continue. Oh, we're not sure he's going to be able to stay on the field. No, no, he played 80 minutes, and I have no idea what they thought happened to him. (laughs) I didn't spot that. I'm also like, I'm really glad to see Herkus play because he's a player you hear a lot about, you know, as a kind of legend of American mm. rugby. And I don't think I'd seen him play a full game before. No, me neither. Because he, you know, he, his international career was before, kind of, oh, largely before my time, kind of overlapped slightly, but before I was paying too much attention to the Tier 2 Nations. And then, yeah, didn't play in 2011, didn't make it to the 2011 World Cup. Did, of course, play for 
sail sharks as kind of Charlie Hodgson's understudy, but then also had careers at both the Scarlets and Dragons in Wales. Yeah. And had a really solid career, as you say, you know, America's all-time top point scorer. And I was excited to properly watch him. Yeah. And yeah, like, as I said, he, he delivered. He did an awful lot. And <laughs> in amongst the, the shit, there's so much glorious good stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right at the end of the half, he makes a glorious pass to Nguyenia that almost puts him in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it was unfortunate that the rest of the, kind of the players involved in that kind of didn't couldn't execute just for half a second quicker to mm. give Nguyenia just that little bit more time, a little bit more space. But yeah, also very much the same sentiment for Pierre Holler as well. Like that he's a player yeah. I've kind of looked forward to watching for such a long time. I know I mentioned a lot of shit. Like he's up a, and down. Yes. There's a bit towards the end of the half where he hitch kicks around two players and just ignores two people running really good hard lines off him. And it nearly works is the frustrating yeah. thing. And kind of gets on the outside and, you know, her hair just drops the ball on the edge when you thought, oh, they might actually get a chance at a line break here. There's also a point where Halle Topole does, like, essentially a spear tackle on somebody and it doesn't get picked up. And you think that would probably be a red card today. And there's there's a couple of tackles Tonga in particular go for that probably would have been reds nowadays. But I was going to ask you guys, were you allowed to tackle lower than the neck back in 2007? Because I don't think anyone does. <laughs> yeah, it was allowed, but it was discouraged. Like mm. <laughs> it was, you know, before TMOs could intervene, so it got caught up less. But supposedly yeah. you're allowed to do it. When you're on the field, you can hear the ref going. Mm. <laughs> not calling, you know, empathy for the game, not calling it back. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot he's got away with. Yes. Oh, speaking, speaking of which, Fanau Maka, was he mm. offside the entire game? Mm. I, I started to theorize that he was just offside when the game started and the refs were like oh i guess that guy lives there i guess that's okay just because his hair was so big his hair was onside and he was offside <laughs> so technically it counted you know if your hair's in line with the back foot then yeah you're okay you're on his hair counts as a foot because it is a foot big <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap up the first half then shall we there's mm. a point where i think it's nearly Lato goes for a really stupid grubber kick and Chris Wilde breaks down the field very easily and you think, yeah, well done. You've wasted an opportunity and overlap there. Yeah, there's that Nguyenia break that you mentioned where Herkes does the pass back inside to him. Vungalila does a brilliant tackle on him, I'll say as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, off the back of that, Erskine does a really rubbish dive pass, which just ruins their momentum entirely and Tonga, as the defence, get on top. And they give away a penalty and the USA, for some reason, go to the corner at the end of the first half. And you think, like, the line-out has been so terrible and you know what? You've got a chance at kicking a goal and getting back within seven points. Why wouldn't you? And I'm kind of trying know. to... That's what I would have done. I would have gone to the corner. Yeah. Considering how the line-out was going, though, yeah, you don't think it was inevitable they were going to knock it on, which they did. Yeah. And that was the, the when they went to the... I think they didn't call the TMO, just the video replay, they called mm. it. And they brought, they brought in that stadium music, that really, like, tense music that went on all six minutes they were staring at this video. Wait, if Twitter had existed then, yikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, start of the second half, they had that TMO review and such ominous music, such terrifying music, like properly like something out of a Zack Snyder Batman movie. <laughs> well, that's actually what I got my master's degree in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's like, it's one of those impossible calls to give that 
USA disallowed try at the start of the second half because you can't see anything. It's like the Jack Morgan well, one against Leicester, where as they're looking at it, one of the cops says, "Yeah, it's all a mystery." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and spot on, absolutely spot on. Yeah, comes from Tyone makes a break immediately, and Tonga are very very loose, and then we end up with the USA. It's it's all very, very fun, I think, the second half. It picks up a lot. Yes, definitely. Um, I think things get a lot looser. The USA get more into the game. They're more able to use things. I think their attack was incredibly predictable in the first half. They wind Tonga up a little and... bit more because Tonga have such an insane sense of momentum. And the first half, I feel like Tonga are just waiting for something to happen for them again. Mm. Whereas instead, after the halftime break, the USA go, no, actually, we're a part of this game. Yeah. And they really start to step up. And so they get the, from that disallowed try, they get a scrum five. And you kind of are thinking, if the USA don't score here, the game is done for them. Yeah. Even though it's 40-odd minutes in, it's like 45 minutes. Sorry to go back, but just, mm. you know, right at the beginning of that second half, Suwane Havea, he came out and was replaced by Sione Tuapalatu. Mm. No relation. I did look it up just to make sure, and um, he did not beget the new Sione Tuapalatu um, unless he had Glasgow's version when he was 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Though his nephew does play for Carwin, does play for the Scarlets. Oh, oh really? Is that... And yeah, and Cecilia, Cecilia, oh, that's great. Yeah. Who is his daughter, but was raised by his brother. Oh wow! So because that's the thing, like Carwin and Cecilia, who plays for the Welsh women's team, uh, Tuapalotu, were raised as siblings, or so raised in the same household, but are cousins. Right. So that's Cecilia Tuapalotu's dad playing nine for yes. Tonga. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I did not put that together at all. That's yeah. fantastic. I thought he was quite good, actually. He was quite quick to get there. He's six foot as a scrum half. Yeah. And could shift around the field. Like, the speed of ball was a lot better, I thought, with him at nine. It was, you know, Sony Harvey had a perfectly fine game. But, no, I liked him off the bench. Would not have put that together that he's Cecilia's dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And wow. also, because I always assumed, having not seen him play, that... Cecilia's dad would be a forward. Yes. Because she is, I mean, as like the point's been made that Cecilia Tuopolotu has the highest scores ever recorded on kind of strength tests for World oh. Women's Rugby and outpaces a number of male equivalent front rowers yeah. um, at her age, which is insane. And she benches more than Carwin does and Carwin's older and has been in professional rugby environment for a longer time than she has. Mm. So yeah, it's, she's ridiculous. And somehow the daughter of a scrum off that's insane would wow. never have put that together the result of this usa scrum i found kind of hilarious tongo do a really good job of holding up bloomfield the number eight for the usa mm. and stopping him just dead short of the line and then they try and give away every yellow card offense penalty oh. that is humanly possible i mean two of is <laughs> it literally it, falls over backwards next to the rock to try and block the 910 and he lies there from an offside position and as Erskine picks the ball up at nine, tries to go for his ankles from like a his foot offside. Around. It's the most clear yellow card you've ever seen. <laughs> but Stuart Dickinson, the referee, just goes, eh. Eh. He simultaneously tries to clip Erskine's ankle and deliberately knock the ball on from an offside position. He tries to simultaneously do them, like use one hand each to do each of those things. It's incredible. It's it's a very, very impressive run. I'm amazed he was not binned. And he's no. kind of... Nowadays, he would be. And I think he's kind of lucky that the ball happens to get out wide 
And tell you what, things started to get a little bit sexy. Yeah, because ba da ba ba ba, McDonald's, what a finish! He is loving it. He is loving it. <laughs> uh, it was really nice. In um, it looks like they gave him player of the match for this. Usually, you don't give yeah. a player on the losing team player of the match. I I wondered if the you know, people in charge were like, I don't know how to fucking pronounce any of these names. Just give it to the American <laughs> guy. Give it to McDonald. I've been there before. It's the easiest name. <laughs> I've seen that on their butt. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> it was a a fan voted man of the match. They opened at seventy minutes, and they I don't know if it's the sponsors ah. chipped in. If the the, spon- the McDonald sponsor went, this is perfect. M McDonald, are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, we know that for wonder, certain that it wasn't going to Joseph Vacker, fan voted man of the match. Yeah. No, no. He became very angry about it. <laughs> he retaliated against the internet. We've Right, we've talked around it, but a hell of a finish by Mike McDonald. It's fantastic, isn't it? He takes it? the ball on the wing, nice. under pressure. He's got two guys on him the moment he catches it, and manages somehow wriggle away from one and power through the second, reaches out. Stuart Dickinson... Credit to him, right? He misses all of the penalty infringements by Tonga, but he's in the perfect position to see that ball grounded. He's yes. got ran into a wonderful position and sees McDonald just squeeze it over the try line. It's an incredible finish. It's very like he was a well-known try scorer for a prop and very good with the ball in hand and you know, great at the breakdown and so on and so forth. We talked about it a lot in the 2011 series and Blaine Scully full of praise for him when we had him on. But he is puts in an incredible finish in the corner. Like, a winger yeah. would be proud of that. So good. So good. I was kind of trying to put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, if I didn't know the final outcome and I was watching this at the time, where would my emotions have been at that point? And that mm. that try made you think, okay, there's enough time to go. This is doable. We can pull this together. But then, I, when was it? 58 minutes, I think it was. The mm. aforementioned Vaca coming through for a gorgeous breakaway try, looking like a character from Final Fantasy while he was doing it. It was amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, you look at that, and what a try. Why didn't you pass it? The amount of oh, passes yeah. he ignores and gets away with because he's so damn talented is incredible. And, like, yeah, that's got to be one of the solo tries of the World Cup. It's ridiculous because it's both a massive dickhead move and an incredible piece of skill. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and like the amount of speed, you know, the amount of pace he shows. Interesting as well, because Scott Hastings says on comms, oh, yes, Vaca, remember that name, why don't you? And Bob Simmons goes, yeah, he used to be the captain, and he's very much a veteran now, um, and kind of shuts him down. <laughs> like, he d- we don't need to remember the name. We know who he is. Has, by this point, 30-plus caps, and has been playing, has played 80-odd games for Perpignan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can we also talk about the uh, the Alec Parker break? early in the second half, Mm. where Herkus delivers this really nice kind of switch pass to him. And Parker is, like, surprised when he catches the ball and then breaks downfield and times this pass perfectly back inside to a seeker. And Parker's just so balanced. I really, really like him. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm not selling yet how good a game I think he has. I think in a similar way almost to your love of Andy Monroe, Robbie. Yes. I realised during this game, I absolutely love Alec Parker. I think he's fantastic. And like everything he did, I was like, oh no, he's he's just really good. 
Like, mm. it's not a fluke, all these things he's doing. He's just really good. Like, he's timing all these passes really well. Like, he's really helping the line-out not look like a total mess some of the time. I just really, really rated him. Yeah, he's got a similar thing, I think, to Nick Chavetta, the current Eagles team, in that he every every job you ask of him, he is good at. Yeah. And he probably couldn't do the jobs he won't be asked to do. But yes. he's just good at the jobs that he can do. And he doesn't overstretch. He just does the things that he's good at. And I really like that in the second row. That's a great shout. Yeah, that's a great parallel. Should we look at the, the other Tongan tries? So uh, Joseph Vacker this time, where, so they make a break in midfield where it's, they, they run kind of the old version of what is now a hip boot play, mm. where I think it was called a slider, where you'd have one, pl- one center run, a, like really exaggerated inward line, and another one run a really exaggerated outward line. And they kind of make an X shape between them. Except instead of a center, they had Neely Latu running kind of the boot, as it were. And he breaks straight through, like not a hand laid on him, and delivers this kind of this mispass out to Vungalila on the wing. And Vungalila has this thing where he goes like, oh, I'm meant to be fast here, aren't I? Uh, I'm going to do a hitch kick on somebody. And just really buys as much time so he can make as much ground as possible with the little pace he does have. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic, a fantastic finish. Yes. Yeah, it pops off the floor and Vacker just drives over very nicely. It's Yeah, it's a really nice try. Yeah, and it's lovely. I don't know how Vungalilo gets it away. I enjoy the fact that it is, when you look at this, right, it's the flanker in Latu who picks the great line and then curves on the outside in typical fullback fashion. And then the fullback in Vungalilo who crashes into the closest defender. <laughs> And smashes up and somehow ruins it, but makes a miracle offload because he's big in typical flanker fashion. It's complete row reversal and sums both players up. Sums Latu's incredible skills up and the fact that Vungalilo was a fullback who liked to stand away from the play. <laughs> yes, uh, no, absolutely. And th- both of those tries in the second half by Tonga were... I think extremely typical of what you expect from this team. Like when you mm. look at it, like it's full of exciting players and they linked up really well. As you say, equally adept at running into people as running around them, uh, this Tongan team. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Just a couple minutes before Vaki's score, Lewis Stanfill. That was a, that was a nice try by yeah. him. And Lewis Stanfill, still playing professionally just a couple of years ago. He was actually, Will, on your San Diego Legions roster until at least yeah. 2020, maybe 2021. I feel like they should have emeritus roster spots for guys like that. <laughs> yeah. Just keep yeah. him going. Yeah, he, he played in Australia for the Canberra Royals. He went to Italy to play for Mogliano, came to the States and played with Nyack before going back to Italy and then to beautiful San Diego. Quite a little career. Yeah, yeah. good journeyman rating on him. Although that said, he played for about 20 years, so it probably doesn't average out that well. <laughs> well this is the thing, though, that, yeah, Luis Danfell, as I said, scores this try. But I, over his career, kind of thought of him as like a solid workman-like player who didn't particularly stand out, but was, you know, like did the job he asked of him, got through a lot of boring work. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in this game. Yeah. He I carried agree. really well, linked incredibly well, played incredibly smart, was seemingly everywhere, was again his work at the breakdown and his tackle stats as high as usual, which were the things he kind of I suppose was known for was doing the mm. donkey work rather than being a player who he looked at. He wasn't a player for point of difference, I think. He was the foil for Clever, very much, I think. Yeah, he was the guy that the kind of 
Scott Fardy, Dan Lydiot type who mm. didn't stand out as much as the players alongside him, but you probably needed him in the team. Yeah, mm. I thought this was one of the most standout game. No, I think this was the standout game I ever saw him play, and uh, I saw him yeah. play quite a lot. I don't um, screw with that. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And when he, he takes his try incredibly well, it's a hell of a leg drive on him to power through the tackle and get over the try. Played it was full 82. Yeah, it was fantastic. And this was him as a youngster. He was 21 at this point and kind of fully throwing everything at it, I think, knowing this was his chance to impress. This was, you know, the the chance he'd been given. Uh, had played the previous game, but this was his his big chance to kind of show what he can do and i felt like he really did that this was right around the point when the comms got sick of being nice about uh about Herkus as well they just started sounding outright <laughs> disappointed like it, it was like we're not mad Herkus. we're just terribly disappointed in you <laughs> <laughs> who can blame them there is a really nice break he makes though like in the opposition 22 and he, he delivers this really nice like overhead one-handed pass got mm. that yeah right at yeah four minutes one of those yeah. passes around you to the other guy. Yeah, and it doesn't look like he has any support, but Herkus goes to the circus and um, suddenly he's all right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> also, but Herkus has two similar moments around that point, or not similar, two other moments of nodes and attack. One, where the USA have a bit of an overlap, and he throws what the moment it leaves his hand looks like a great pass, and it dips at the last second and goes right between Chris Wiles' legs. <laughs> And it's this kind of like nightmare. It kind of sums his game up, I think, in the fact that it's initially glorious, then becomes a mistake. Yeah, yeah. There's another one as well. He steps inside, kind of a drifting defence, pops it up to Parker, who's running a really mm. nice inside line, who pops the ball off the floor forward to a Tongan. And like, it was a really nice break in line by, by Parker, but like, just that kind of finishing touch wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. He also, at one point, takes the ball running onto it, then stops still to wait and see what's going to change and happen in front of him, then eventually throws a pass. And I, that was a very specific era of fly halfing you couldn't get away with now. Yes. <laughs> this was also right around the time when the comms said something about, uh, well, you can always keep up on all the action on itv.com slash rugby. So I was like, can I? So I went and looked, and uh, yeah, it, it's still there. Um, the only thing I really found, though, was Flats and Shanks doing alternative commentary for what they say are the best 10 Six Nations matches. Okay. That was where my clicking, that was where my clicking ended. <laughs> <laughs> they also, around this point, probably around the same time, put up the England team news for the following game. And it says, Farrell to start at 10. And nowadays, you just go, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And you're like, oh no, it's his, it's his dad. It's the oh, wow. There's one other moment right towards. I suppose there's two other moments right towards the end. There's a TMO intervention which he oh, calls yes. in sometime. I'm not TMO. Touch judge intervention. He calls in sometime yep. after it happens, and he's kind of like, did I see what I thought I saw? And then eventually he chops and he's like, I think I saw a guy. I think I saw a guy jumping in the line out as the other player caught the ball. He goes and just pulls his hair and hangs him to ground. And indeed, he did see that. And somehow it's not a card. Yes, I have that written down my notes as, Alec Parker, you've betrayed me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, if that's the one I'm thinking of, it was fantastic too, because like the touch judge put something in Christopher, uh, I mean, in uh, Stuart Dickinson's ear, like, oh, I think I saw something. (laughs) And Stuart Dickinson goes, Christoph, 
come out here. Instead of running over to talk to him, he's just so tired. He's like, you come here. You know what? It would have been much funnier if he had stood stock still and made him run all the way to the middle of the field, but he kind of made him halfway, but it was great. Even the, the comms were like, wow, he must be blowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not if, doing that. I'm not doing that. They did the referral over FaceTime. Where's the mark? Is it right where I'm stood? Yeah, great. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> It's a proper you dirty get moment by Parker, and I'm very sorry. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. I agree. There's that and Gwenya break that we mentioned. Then that's earlier. it. That's the upper bit. That's the other great yeah. bit. I there wrote, Holy shit, and Gwenya, let's go. Because it's the first time you see him in acres of space and like properly breezing round men in attack, and it's glorious. There I had have to my be notes a way there. in with that. Oh, oh my no. gosh. Just Gwenya yeah. underlined it a lot. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's amazing. Aside of things to come, this acceleration yeah. is insane. He goes for one size up too many and gets caught. Yes. Yep. But he could have and sh- maybe should have scored that. It's one of those where you go like, oh, he should have scored that. But almost no other players get into that position in the first place. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. There wasn't much in support. I think they were all going, shit, did you see that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Blake, Keep quick, him. He? Yeah. <laughs> Tongue and cover defense is fantastic. Do you want to know, yeah, do you want to know a fun fact about Nguenya? Go on. Yes. Obviously, he signs for Beerus after this tournament. And actually, he he just ran there. <laughs> and it it took him less than 10 minutes. That's a true story. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. The, the most impressive thing was he'd gone home to America and he ran over the water in order to get back. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, like he the, the outskirts of Biarritz and then kind of moved to the side and he just couldn't quite get in. <laughs> he was just kind of caught on the border. He ended up yeah. caught on the Spanish border, couldn't quite just get in. running over. back and forth trying yeah. to find they a weak point. He's still side shuttling all the way around the edges of the city, even today. <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping we'll one day see him again. <laughs> That's why he spent so many years at Biarritz in the end. He couldn't <laughs> he get couldn't out. He couldn't get out. He was constantly running into invisible walls, like that Final <laughs> Fantasy character you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> the game eventually ends because Stuart Dickinson calls a ball unplayable, and I just think that's boring. The most Did, boring on the on the Tongan try line when the OSA had an attacking opportunity. So boring, awesome. especially yep. to say like they could have got a losing bonus point out of that. Boring. Yeah. If that if if Nguenya had scored that try. And we hadn't left five points on the field from missing kicks. Mm. That that could have been a two-point win, theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. And if the USA played a little bit better, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we had different players playing a different sport. I think it's a massive step up on how they played against England. Massively. Yes. yes. And I think it's one of these where you go like, okay, there's real encouraging signs because they're playing Samoa next. However, they are a team that beat Tonga by 50 points. So maybe less so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a much improved second half by the USA, Definitely. having been not in the game for 20 minutes. They played their part. Close. Yeah, if you rule out those, if they maybe, if you start from the moment they wake up, they win that game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this inspired me to make a dedicated podcast just about the USA's success in the knockout stages. Um, I'd like to play that podcast for you in its entirety right now. Would you like to hear it again? <laughs> I thought you were playing the one on Ireland semi-final. Sorry. Oh, I got that. Oh. <laughs> Wales just wins in the Six Nations. Uh, this is going out in a week's time, so we may have to drop in a clip of them being England there. Um, 
Most likely not. So should we move on to Man of the Match and Dick of the Day? I say so. This was much harder than I thought, too. Like, it was, in so many ways, it was such an uneventful game. I was mm. like, there better there better be a fight or a manatee on the pitch or <laughs> something to spice things up. Like, somebody has to pull a knife. But no, they just, just played rugby and one team was better than the other. And you watched that's it the way twice. The game went. <laughs> yeah. I only mentioned this I, off I, air. You watched this back <laughs> twice. I, I somehow thought, I was like, it couldn't have been that boring and uneventful. I'll watch it again. There's got to be a little thing in there, like a, a fight or somebody trips somebody. T- no, no. it was. A, uh, you thought the outcome would be different on the me. second time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was like, maybe he won't miss that kick. Oh. That's it. I didn't think it was necessarily a boring game, but it was very uneventful. Mm. Yeah. It felt like things just happened. Yes. And it's funny because directly before watching this game back, I went to see Ant-Man 3. And that was also something where things just happened. It was an entire <laughs> film of things just happening in front of me. I've had an evening of things just happening. You know what I want to see tonight? Huge stars standing in front of green screens. <laughs> yep. I want to see a film that looks really flat. <laughs> and so you chose to watch USA versus Tonga. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and... So, Will, do you want to start us on Man of the Match? It was difficult to pick. I think I've got one, I've got one for each team. One of the, I think for Tonga, I would say Fanal Maka on debut, I think was excellent. I think he carried really well, made a few quite important tackles and obviously scored the try at the start. And for the USA, of course, I've got Alec Parker written down because I just grew obsessed with him as the game went on. Just inexplicably making line breaks, which isn't really what I expected, and doing good passes to follow it up and so on. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun with those two. Of course, I should also give honourable mentions to both Friendship, the friends we made along the way, yes. and also Poom Extinct Dive, uh, I think was particularly uh, prevalent in this game. But I think I'm going to give it to Alec Parker. Okay, you do you. Yeah. David, where did you land? I mean, I don't know how you can go with anyone but Poom Extinct Dive. <laughs> really stood the head. No, I went with uh, Lewis Stanfill. It was a yeoman-like performance. Scored a try in there. Played all 80 minutes. Put in some solid D at different points. It, there was nobody who sort of jumped out at you. So I went with, uh, I went with workman-like, I guess. Yeah. Love it. So I think the Tongan back row were excellent. I think you mentioned Finau Maka. I think Latu and Tipole both had good games as well. Tipole was very amongst it, and Latu had a few really big moments. He had a couple of big turnovers and then the, the break leading to the try. And Maka was just, I think, brilliant. Quieted, got quieter and quieter as the game went on. I thought he was really great at first. Got away with a lot of offsides, and that deserves points as well. <laughs> I also want to mention Chad Erskine, right? He deserves, for me, a, a mention for Man of the Match. For there's one point where Vungalilo puts a really shit kick out on the full and Erskine yells at the referee, all offside, sir. The opposition has just given you a 40 meter net game by the fullback putting it out on the full. Like you don't need to complain for the penalty, but he still is. And that's heroic scrum half behavior. Deserves a mention. But I, Mike McDonald, I think, plays very well as well. Like big fan of Mike McDonald, thought he had a good game. But for me, I'm going to side with David completely. Louis Stanfell is my man of the match. I thought, best game I ever saw him play. I thought he was exceptional. Did all of the hard graft, as you say, and carried really well and took his try very well. Weird that we've all gone for Americans in the game. Yeah. At a canter. 
but uh, yeah they they won it without really trying i think like they were always the better team for, like throughout the entire game and it's funny that we've all gone for americans but hey that's what these awards are for Mike McDonald got the official player of the match, so... No, Friendship got the official man of the match. Sorry, yes, I forgot to mention the hot-beating son, um, IOB Vice Chairman Bob Tucky. He crowded 2,800, especially, though, the Koreans, and also the Rugby World Cup Web Ellis Trophy that was on display throughout the full game and received a rounding response when paraded around the ground at halftime. Yes, quite. I want to go to an Ellis Cup parade. I would love to see an Ellis Cup parade. We should bring it out. We should bring it to your house. Yeah, yeah. We'll get 2,799 people, and then together... <laughs> when they do the trophy tour for the World Cup in America in 31, they should visit your house. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much assume that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, come on. When they did the trophy tour for 2015, just realized where the, one of the stops was about a minute's walk from the Squid Rugby office. So yeah. that's clearly why we chose it, because the World nice. Cup was once near it. <laughs> so, dick of the day. Will, do you want to start again? Sure. So I've got two names written down, and there is a theme that links them. The first mm. of which is Owen Lentz for doing his best Bogdan Suman impersonation <laughs> and just throwing every line out just to a completely random coordinate somewhere within the 15 metres of the touchline. <laughs> and the other one, uh, who I'm actually going to give it to, is Mike Mangan, for doing his best ant finger impersonation by throwing a forward pass into touch, which is an incredible feat of doing silly things all at once. Can they use double negatives? Can that cancel each other out? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. But then again, by the same logic, Owen Lentz will have thrown a line up not straight to the opposition. So <laughs> I think this is quite a difficult game to pick a dig of the day for. Yeah. However, I am fairly set on mine, and it is mostly for the reason that if we're to follow the blood and mud logic of Lee always said that everything in life can be divided into shit and good, I want to give dick of the day for Mike Herkus for completely defying that. For having That's a good point. Wow. A game that completely defies all classification. If I were doing a player rating, I'd have to give him five because he did so much good and so much bad that you can't possibly move it, move the needle one way or the other. It all cancels itself out. It's just, wow. it's an impossible game to quantify, I think, by Mike Herkus, where he would do like a kick that goes directly up in the air, then backwards, and then a minute later throw an unbelievable offload that puts on Gwenya in space. It's just, I can't quantify what he did, and therefore, for me, for breaking my own brain, I am giving Mike Herkus my dick of the day. For having a this game from what... a different universe, he is the, uh, of the day. Yes. <laughs> This is like abstract philosophy level. It's like the existence of Mike Herkus proves the proposition of the shit good corollary. <laughs> David, who's your dick of the day? It, like you said, it was really hard. I, I, at first I wrote down Fanau Maka for constantly being offside for the entire game. But then I was like, well, wait, but he was getting away with it. So he probably yeah. should have kept doing it. So doesn't that make the official the dick of the day? And then I was like, oh, yeah, but we never said anything. No no players on our team were like, ref, have you noticed Harry <laughs> over here hasn't gone on side once? So are we collectively the dick of the day? Is the USA <laughs> Eagles the dick of the day? I don't want it to be that. So I did a hard right turn. And I, I think the dick of the day goes to all 
the pet owners in Montpellier who <laughs> didn't bring their dogs to the pitch. We could have used a canine intervention or two to make this game somewhat interesting. It's a very good shout. And I'm now realizing we were both wrong. We were both game. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> One dog. Come on, people. It's not One too much dog. Test. It's all we wanted. It's all we Just needed. Take it to the game and let him jump the fence. It's not hard. Stade de la Mosson, you know, sounds like sounds like a kind of poodle. <laughs> Bring it out. Let him in. Let him in. <laughs> it's a shame. I, I somehow got a got an extra little thrill of writing the phrase, bringing their pups to the pitch. Pups to the pitch. That's lovely. That's really it's a shame. Lovely. We didn't think of that. <laughs> Shall we? In France, for the World Cup late this year desperately try and smuggle a dog onto the pitch yes we make that a mission we have to figure out which game to do this in but given it's given every game that we're going to is officially in the canon of this podcast by being a world cup match we have to do this holy shit what a great idea we need to fix it so there's a dog on the pitch in one of these games so a couple of years ago there was it was probably still the top 14 but it was i think it was a benetton game and it's this beautiful day in Italy. Mm. The sun is shining. P- everyone in the crowd are gorgeous. Everyone there is like wearing nice clothes and just looking f- fantastic. You know, the camera is always trying to find good looking people and, you know, just show us a shot of good looking people to make us feel bad. And uh, they find this group of like five young women who are sitting there, very fashionable. And they uh, come say, and there are some young women enjoying the rugby with their dog and that's when you notice that they have a little purse-sized dog on their oh. lap just sitting there at the game with them never made it to the pitch though no uh, bring them back but what we'll say is if you are listening to this podcast and you're going you, and you ever go to or, pl- or planning on going to a rugby world cup match this could be men's or women's right please try and stage a dog on the field and tell Israel Palau about it in his dms yes um <laughs> We need this to happen. David, thank you very much. Not just for joining us and giving us so much of your time, but for the inspiration, the true inspiration (laughs) you've given us today. (laughs) It's my goal to make your niche podcast even more niche somehow. (laughs) (laughs) You've somehow succeeded. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a thrill. I really appreciate the invite and it was super fun. No, that was, this has been great fun. This has been fantastic. Thank you for doing it. Where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? Please, please tell us. Tell us all. iTunes and all the usual places, Spotify, um, Anchor. I'm, a, I'm at of Scrum on Twitter. I'm the Scrum of the Earth podcast on the Instas. And uh, yeah, you can always just email the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear from people. Amazing. I just want to say thank you again for coming on. I think that genuinely like the passion for what you do and the hard work you put into the podcast is just fantastic. And like, I massively encourage people to go and listen to some of those interviews and stuff that you've done. And just the quality of the work you put out is so good and so funny and entertaining and so on. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that on this podcast. Uh, recently, I, I I made what I think is my funniest all-time joke when I said that Arendelle sounds like the name of a kingdom in like a YA fantasy series. Does, so it he's, does. Like, he's like, I am Prince Harry of Arendelle, and this is my sweet chariot. Completely <laughs> spot on. I can't wait to get to that level of Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's very, very good. For more oh. of that gold, please go and find the Scrum Absolutely. of the Earth podcast. Thanks again, man. Much appreciated. Always enjoy chatting with you. That's brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank you, David. Thank you, Will, as ever. 
thank you to everyone who has listened. Please join us next week when we will have another game. I am not 100% sure what order we're going to be doing them in because we've thrown (laughs) them out slightly. The next game that was played was the last episode we did, but we recorded them in a different order. And it's all happening and going weird. So we'll see you soon for more. There'll be rugby at some point. We'll cover more of this World Cup. At some point, there'll be rugby. Until then, have a lovely day. And please, if you know any dogs, bring them to a pitch. Dog? A pitch? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.